0: Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. All right. Uh, today is Youth Sunday. Welcome. We're glad you're here. Please stand with us as we sing Salvation is Here. God above all the
1: world in motion, God above all my hopes and fears, I don't care what the world does at me now. World would know your name Gonna be alright. Don't care what the world throws at me now Hear the sound of the generations Making loud their freedom song All in all that the world would know your name You gonna be alright Cause I know my God's in the day And I know Him
0: said, this morning is Youth Sunday. Um, once a year, the youth group, our high school group, gets a chance to put on the entire service. Uh, we're very, very happy to be here. I'm very happy that you're here with us. Thank you so much. Um, let's sing. Um, Let your kingdom come.
1: Our gospel still our time.
0: this morning, for this opportunity that we have to come together as a body of your believers and to praise and worship you and to hear about your word. And I just pray that you would teach us this morning and we would hear everything that you have for us this morning. In your name, amen.
1: You may we see you.
2: Well, good morning and welcome to Grace Church of Orange. Today is Youth Sunday. And if you are a visitor here, um, we'd love it if you could fill out the card that is in in front of you in the in the chair of the front in front of you and um if you could drop it off in the offering basket as it goes around and after the service uh out in the patio you can pick up your mug um that is a gift to you from us and it contains information about the church and candy and all sorts of good stuff in there so
3: and uh we have no announcements for you this Sunday but if you check your bulletin it's got everything in there dates and times and everything like that and uh Since this is you Sunday, we're going to do something a little different. If you'd stand and uh, greet the person next to you. And uh, stay standing for the next song.
4: in a moment, um, but before, let's just bow our heads and pray. Dear Lord, I thank you that we could all be here today. I just thank you for the chance that you give us to all come together and worship you, um, just in one big group, and um, I just, I pray for the offering as we're taking it, just that uh, you will, um, I just thank you for everything that you provide for us, and I uh, just pray that everything that is collected will be used for your glory, and again, I just thank you um for what you give us. You're so great to us and in your name. Amen. And the kids are dismissed to kids' own worship.
2: Hello. This past summer, um, a few of us uh from the high school group had the privilege to go to Cambodia. And so um we're gonna talk more about that actually next Sunday during the service. So um Actually, we're just going to give you a taste of what it was like there by singing a song in Kumbai, their Cambodian language. And it's Shout to the Lord, and Bethany's going to help us out today, even though she's in college group. <laughs>
5: Thank you very much. I'm glad I don't have to sing in that language. I like English more. Um, Anyway, the theme of our message today is that swords are for killing. Now, a sword is a long-edged piece of metal used as a cutting, thrusting, and clubbing weapon in many civilizations throughout the world. The word sword comes from the Old English swiord, cognate to the Middle Dutch swayert, Old Norse swerd, and German schwert. The root "swer" to wound or to hurt. Now, a sword fundamentally consists of a hilt and a blade, with often one or two edge sides and a point at the tip. Three types of attacks can be performed with the sword cutting, striking, and thrusting. Very good. Uh, Often swords that have a single edge side will have a a false edge, a dual edge, used for backhand strikes. It's more for knocking your opponent unconscious than for chopping his head off. The sharp side, or the true edge, is the one used for cutting and for thrusting. Now, humans have manufactured and used swords since the Bronze Age and onward. The sword originally developed from the dagger, a type of mini-sword... And the oldest sword-like ancestors were found in Turkey, dated at around 3,300 B.C. Throughout the entire Bible, swords are referred to primarily and nearly exclusively as weapons used to kill. For example, in the Garden of Gethsemane, when the Roman soldiers came with Judas to arrest Jesus, the only reason Peter cut off Malchus' ear was that he missed. However, in Acts 12.2, Herod did not miss. It says he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. In the Old Testament, swords are also primarily referred to as weapons used to kill. Genesis thirty-four twenty-five. Now it came about on the third day, when they were in pain, that two of Jacob's sons, Simeon and Levi, Dinah's brothers, each took his sword and came upon the city unawares and killed every male. Exodus 5, 21. They said to them, May the Lord your God look upon you and judge you, for you have made us odious in Pharaoh's sight and in the sight of his servants, to put a sword in their hand to kill us. Again, in Isaiah 66, 16. For the Lord will execute judgment by fire, and by his sword on all flesh, and those slain by the Lord will be many. Many saints have felt the full force of the sword. As it says in Hebrews, they were stoned, they were sawn in two, They were killed with the sword. Swords are not for shaving, they're not for whittling, they're not merely uses of amusement and entertainment. The fact of the matter is, the main purpose for swords is to kill. So today, we would like to explore the sword, God's word, as well as the target of that sword and the battle in which this struggle consists. We'll spend a lot of time worshiping together and um, some more creative examples, so please
4: enjoy. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God.
5: John eight thirty one and thirty two. Then Jesus said to the Jews who believed him, "If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the
2: truth shall make you free." Galatians five sixteen. I say then. Walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. James one 19 through 19-20 This you know,
6: my beloved brethren, for everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God.
2: Ephesians 4.31, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice.
6: 1 Timothy 6.10, for the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil, and some, by longing for it, have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs.
2: Ephesians six twelve, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Exodus 23, You shall have no other gods before me.
3: Ecclesiastes 10.18 Because of laziness, the building decays, and through idleness of hands, the house leaks. Proverbs 16.5 Everyone who is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Assuredly, he will not be unpunished. Okay, we know that swords in the Bible are for killing. Tim went over that. Um, so when Paul calls the Bible the sword of the Spirit, in uh, Ephesians six seventeen, here, I actually have it, okay, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Well, obviously he's talking about the Bible, and he's not kidding when he calls it a sword. It's meant for killing something. That's the whole purpose of it And we're not supposed to kill people with them I'm not going to stab you with a bible or anything I mean, we're supposed to die for our faith But, um What Paul's talking about is Discussed in uh, Romans 8:13. He says, if by the spirit you put to death The deeds of the body You will live The word of God is the sword of the spirit And it's meant to kill the flesh By using the spirit By using God's word And the flesh is not like skin It's not something just physical, like I can just go and cut off my hand, and then I'll be perfect or something. It's uh, Romans 8, 7, 8 says, Because the mind set on the flesh is hostile toward God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Flesh is anything that's hostile towards God that causes you to turn away from Him. So, I mean, it's talking about how we have to kill the flesh using the Word of God, diving into Scripture, you know every day reading through the scripture applying it to your life You have to kill the flesh in you and we have to do this daily Uh, you know nothing you do in the flesh can please god And hebrews 11 6 I have to turn the page says And without faith is impossible to please him for he who comes to god must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder Of those who seek him so the flesh is not only opposed to god, but it's opposed to faith in god. You can't be serving God and serving the flesh at the same time. Paul talks about that several times. You can't serve two masters. So we have to kill the flesh in order to serve God, in order to serve our faith. But uh, the temptations of sin have the power of lying. They're deceitful desires, as it says in Ephesians 4.22. They tell us that, you know, the pleasure is worth displeasing God. And the killing blow against these lies is to use God's truth. I mean, he talks about so many times how wonderful it is to have God. You know, we need to have him because he is our Savior. And, you know, it's not worth it to sin. We need to use God's word to empower us to kill our flesh. As John Owen said, be killing sin or it will be killing you. That is what swords are for, especially God's word.
4: So, um, Eric just talked about how we need to put death to our sin using a sword. But um, my question is, how do we use a sword? We have to know the weapon, but how do we know the weapon? And um, you can't just pick up a sword and start swinging it around and expect to be good at it. Like, look at Captain Jack Sparrow in Pirates of the Caribbean. He did not come out of the womb with a sword. He took practice. He doesn't look like a good sword fighter, but he definitely is. He knows how to work that sword. And same with Obi-Wan Kenobi. He couldn't, he couldn't have beat Darth Maul if he wasn't good with a lightsaber. And it's the same with us. We have to know our Bibles. We have to know how to use it. Um, and if we're going to put death to our flesh, then we need to be the opposite of our flesh. We need to be living by faith. And what does it mean to live by faith? Well, Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, flesh, I live by faith. And the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So that's how we live by faith, but how do we have faith? Is, is it just something where you believe in God and then you have faith? Well, Romans ten seventeen says, So faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. So the word of Christ, our sword, is where everything starts. You can't have faith if you don't know the word of God where everything starts. Um, So if we do have the sword and we have faith, then we're prepared for combat with our flesh. But knowing the Bible is not good enough. You you need to be able to apply it to your lives and use it daily. Um, I have a friend, on OB, named Ben Hyde, and he had like this legitimate football obsession. And he was able to tell me all this stuff about football that I never knew about drafting and statistics that I'd never even known existed and all this crazy stuff. And um, I didn't understand any of it, but if he taught me anything about football, it's that they don't just learn plays at the beginning of the season and then use them against every team and pick them off one by one. That's not how it works. They have to study each team individually that they're going to play. And they have to, if the team's going to have a strong defense, then they need to find a way to I don't know football team terms, but to <laughs> block the, or no, no. If they have a strong offense, then you have to be able to have a good defense. So you have to study the other, you have to study the opponent and know how to battle them. And it's the same with us. You, um, let's say that you you have trouble with your faith. you um, find yourself doubting Christ a lot, well, you can go to Hebrews 11, where it, It lists a ton of things, um, uh, circumstances where people had faith in God and he rewarded them for it and how things always worked out for the better. Or if you get upset easily when things go wrong, go to James 1 and it tells you all about how you need to count it all joy. And um, that's what I'm talking about. Like, you just need to um, know how to apply it to your everyday lives. Um, Hebrews 4.12 says, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. Uh, It judges the thoughts and attitudes of our heart. And to me, that sounds pretty powerful. That's a big deal if it can separate soul and spirit. A lot of people don't even know the difference, and it can penetrate it. And um, it's so powerful, but we have to know how to use it, to use God's Word in order to use that power, or else it's going to be ineffective. Um, and scripture is just so awesome like that, and this next thing we're going to do, it's called Speech Choir, and the thing I love about it, it's just all scripture in a way that brings glory to God and presents his gospel in a clear way, so we're going to do that next.
5: to the dust. Give me life according to your word.
3: My soul melts away for sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes and I will keep it to the end. Give me understanding.
2: That I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. Lead me in the path of your commandments, provide delight in it, and incline my heart to your testimonies. And not to selfish gain.
5: Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways.
2: Confirm to your servant your promise, that you may be feared. Turn away the reproach that I dread, for your rules are good.
1: Behold, I long for your precepts. In your righteousness give me life, for I find my delight in your
4: commandments, which I love. I will lift up my hands towards your commandments,
1: which I love, and I will meditate on your statutes. This is my comfort in my affliction,
6: I love your commandments above gold, above fine gold.
1: Therefore, I consider all your precepts to be right. I hate every false way. My eyes shed streams of tears because people do not, you do not keep your law. Trouble and anguish have found me out, but your commandments are my delight. Let my soul live and praise you,
6: and let
2: your rules help me.
1: I have gone astray like a lost sheep seek your servant, for I do not forget your commandments.
6: My name is Matthew, and I'm going to be sharing a little bit um, on just memorizing scripture. And uh, so three years ago, I received a challenge from Mr. Perry, who's actually in this audience right now, and um, he challenged us to memorize the first three chapters of James, which isn't easy. I mean, it's three chapters of the Bible. Um, they're not the longest chapters, but it's it's not easy to memorize stuff. For a lot of people, it's, you know, I know a lot of people who, you know, they just say, "Oh I'm not very good at memorizing stuff. You know I just I don't feel like I can do it. Um, but you know, with help from God and my dad and brothers, uh, I was able to accomplish this task, and um, you know, uh, in Psalms um, ch- uh, chapter 119, verse 11, it says, "Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you." And uh, even though it's hard, um, our goal is to bring glory to God, and uh, memorizing Scripture is a great way to do this. Um, and so, in James, um, actually Caleb referenced this verse, chapter 1, verse 2 and 3, says, My beloved brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. And uh, this verse is special to me, because it, uh, a lot of times when I'm asked to do something that I don't want to do, or uh, my faith is tested, um, it just, it reminds me. Um, that I need to do it, and it'll just pop up in your head because you haven't memorized, and you said it so many times that it's just such a great help because it'll help you um, to just do what's right. Um, So I just want to encourage everybody here um, to memorize some portion of scripture, whether it's a verse, a chapter, an entire book. Um, uh, It's not easy, but uh, in John, Chapter 14, verse 26, it says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all the things I said to you. So we know that when we memorize Scripture that God's going to help us to remember it. And even though it's not easy, um, I just I just uh, pray that everyone here would be able to attempt to memorize some portion of Scripture because it's going to please God.
2: Hi, I'm Jenna. I got um, the awesome opportunity to serve on Operation Barnabas this summer, which is a seven-week mission trip, and it was awesome. One of the things um, I learned was, based off of the verse 2 Timothy 3.16, all scriptures God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. And it says it right there, all scriptures God-breathed. God-breathed. Therefore, it's God talking to you. You can't get any better truth than that. Um... And it says it's useful for training and all that stuff, and so it's useful. So use it. Don't just let it sit there and don't know it. Um, and so, yeah. And one of the, our key verses on Operation Barnabas for my team was Romans 8:28, um, that we know that God works everything out for good um, to those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. Um, so we, if, when things get tough. We know that in the end, it will still be good. Like, God will make it good. It, like, we just need to trust in him always because it will make it good. Um, and then one of the verses I've been studying on my own time recently is in Second Peter chapter 1, verse 5. Um, it talks about knowledge and having the knowledge. Your faith um, should be based on knowledge. Um, and you can't have knowledge if you don't know the Bible. You need to study the Bible every day or more than, more than once a day. We like to just, if you have time in the day, go out and study it. It's awesome. Um, I've, with reading that, I've noticed that if I don't read my Bible every day, I tend to get negative. I tend to just not be loving towards people. Um, and then that's not what God wants. God wants us to be loving. So I need truth in my life every day and it's a lot better. So, yeah.
4: So my name is Caleb Hughes, and I also went on OB with Jenna. And um, there was this guy I met at a Christian camp in Pennsylvania, I think like Lidditz, Pennsylvania. And I talked to him, I barely talked to him at all, just for maybe 15 or 20 minutes. And um, then I didn't talk to him for the rest of the weekend, and I got home and he had added me on Facebook. So I was talking to him um, a couple weeks later, and uh, just asked how he was doing, and he said that... His best friend and his youth pastor were leaving for Iraq in um in like two months, and he was very angry about that. He didn't understand why they had to leave. And I guess they're like his only it's like his only friend and his youth pastor, so it means a lot to him. And um he was he was asking me, like, why, why does God do this to people? Um, and it was really weird because I had just read a verse earlier in the day. It talks about it. It said um, it's Joshua one five. Uh, no man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. So it says right there that you're not going to have somebody with you forever. It's We're on earth, and it's not like that. But um, God's always with you. And I told him that, and um, he was very encouraged by it. He thought that was awesome. And um, he went off and a couple days later asked me... A, what the reference was, because he wanted to memorize it, because it helped him a lot. So, um, yeah, that was really awesome just to see one way um, where scripture helps somebody else, and it was really cool. So.
5: Well, first off, I just have to say that you guys are a lot more interactive and smiling than first service. You have an unfair advantage, because you got an extra, like, two hours of sleep, but, but no, we, we appreciate it. So so far today, we have talked about the sword. We've talked about references in the Bible where we see that swords are used for killing. Uh, Eric talked a little bit about knowing the target, that the target is our sinful flesh. It's not, it's not our bones. It's not our skin. The target is the, the desire to do wrong, that rebellious nature inside of us. Caleb talked about knowing the weapon, how just like Obi-Wan needed to practice with the lightsaber, we need to practice with God's word. We need to know the weapon, study the weapon, understand the weapon. Uh, Matthew and Jenna and Caleb, all their stories, they mentioned helping people by quoting scripture to them. And the only way you can quote scripture to others is if you know it. So just knowing your weapon and, and studying that, taking time to do that. So we've seen swords are for killing. More specifically, the sword, God's word, is for killing a specific enemy, which is our sinful flesh. As Christians, we've been freed from sin through Christ's payment on the cross, Like Galatians 5.24 says, Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. However, the flesh battles back daily, trying to gain control over our lives, trying to to rule us. So how do we fight back against this flesh? As Paul says, thanks be to God, it is through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is the only way we can fight against the flesh. His word is truth. His word sets us free, and until we learn how to to cherish and to love and to treasure god 's word, we will not win in the battle against sin until we can fully grasp the the wonder of god 's word and make it a, an intricate part of our life, we will not serve God to our maximum capacities. His word is absolutely crucial. Um, I know when Pastor Mike has preached in the past he 's mentioned. About the word, when he makes us all stand up and he reads it, that that is the only perfect part of the service. The only perfect part of an entire message of an entire sermon is when God's word is being read. It's the only perfect part in a sermon. It's the only perfect part in our lives. It's the only perfect part in the entire universe is God's word. It's something we really have to cling to. Um, so basically, life is boiled down to the question of who do we trust? Are we self-reliant or are we God-reliant? Now, Satan and our flesh will will speak lies to us and tell us we can do it on our own. We don't really need to read that much. We don't really need to pray that much. We don't really need fellowship that much. We're we're okay. I'm a good person. But God's word tells us, apart from me, you can do nothing. God's word tells us that we absolutely need him. We need him more than we need the very air we breathe. So that question of whether we're self-reliant or God-reliant, Romans mentions this conflict it says in Romans 8 13 if you live according to the flesh you will die but if by the spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body you will live the only way we can put to death the deeds of the body is through the spirit through God's word through Christ it's not our own attempts to fight sin it's only when we are in this word that Christ can use it to change us use it to uh, redirect reorient our lives around him Uh, Caleb talked a little bit about faith. And faith is so key because faith is confidence that God's way is better than sin. And when we're confident in God's way being better than sin, then we can be God-reliant instead of self-reliant. Our trust is placed in God. In Hebrews, uh, that same passage that Caleb was talking about, the heroes of faith, it talks about Moses and says that by faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God, Than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, considering the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. Moses kept his eyes on Christ. His faith was strong. When his eyes were on Christ, because he knew Christ through his word, he was able to say no to the passing pleasures of sin. He was able to keep his eyes fixed on the author of his faith. And that is exactly what we must do, is, is keep our eyes fixed on Jesus through his word. Now let's be honest. I know this personally because I do it too. It's really easy to say God's word is important, and it's really easy for all of us to nod our heads. Yes, I agree. Oh, preach it, brother, preach it. Um, okay, you don't have to say that, but but <laughs> not too much soul power going on right now. Um, but it's it's easy to agree that God's word is important. It's easy to agree that this is the inspired word of God and to tell others, you know, this, this, is, this is it. But it's hard to set aside time to read God's word each day. And it is hard to give up time, energy, and effort to memorize God's word. It is hard to spend two hours as a family reading God's word and talking about the practical implications of that instead of spending two hours watching a movie. It's hard to listen to the Bible on your iPod instead of listening to the newest songs on the radio. It's hard to understand the implications of this being the Word of God, the creator of the entire universe. It's hard to love God's Word. All of these things are hard, but they are right. They are good. They are sweet. As the psalmist says, your words are sweet to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. God's word, God's word is so sweet, so precious, so dear, and it is our only weapon in the battle against sin. Our only weapon is God's word, and that's why we must, we must cherish it and love it and study it and cling to it. So granted that it's easy to say those things are important, we actually have to take up that challenge. And that's sort of why we picked this to share with you as a youth group, because this is something God's been teaching us, that his word is key, and that we have to know his word. And we have to really, really make that effort instead of just consenting that it's important. We have to spend that time reading it, memorizing it, studying it, talking about it with our friends. Um, John Piper says that with all eternity hanging in the balance, we fight the fight of faith. Our chief enemy is the lie. That says sin will make our future happier. Our chief weapon is the truth. That says that God will make our future happier. Faith is the victory that overcomes the lie because faith is satisfied with God. The faith that is fostered by God's word overcomes the passing pleasures of sin. And it overcomes that lie that we should be self-reliant. The other thing that faith does that's incredibly important is faith steers us away from legalism. The, the point of us talking up here is not to say if you don't spend exactly 30 minutes and 15 seconds reading your Bible a day, you're going to hell. The point is not to say you can't watch a movie or you can't listen to music. We're, we're not being legalistic. The point is when we study God's word, he will guide us into all truth. He will teach us about himself. He will grow us to be more like him. So it's not, it's not about a specific list of do's and don'ts. It's about learning to love God. And when we love God, our actions will, will show that. We will bear fruit after we are in the Spirit. They're called the fruit of the Spirit, not the to-do list of the Spirit. When you're in the Spirit, those fruits will, will show up. So, so God's Word must be key. God's Word must be our focus. We must, we must cherish this book. And so one of the things that this, wor- this, this Bible, this holy word, these inspired words of God do, is that they allow us to have joy. They allow us to have peace. They allow us to have trust. And when we trust in God and have that joy, it makes it so that we can praise Jesus in the sunshine and we can praise Jesus in the storm.
6: Wiped our tears away Stepped in and saved the day Once again I say amen And it's still raining And as the thunder rolls I barely hear you whisper through the rain I'm with you As your mercy falls, I raise my hands and praise the God who gives and takes away.
0: As we close today, um, I think the, uh, one of the things that we can learn from all the things that have been said today is that this sword, the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, is for killing, and it's for killing our flesh. But once, you know, when we're saved at the moment of salvation, our flesh is, our flesh is killed, and we are, we are able to be counted as righteous before God. And from that point on, we can be alive we can be alive through Christ. And every day that we take that sword and we kill the sin that's in us, we can live. It's not, it's not we die and we're resurrected later. It's that as soon as we allow Christ's word, as soon as we allow God' God's word to work in us and to kill our flesh, we can become immediately alive in love and alive in Christ. And Caleb mentioned Galatians, Galatians 2.20 where he says, I have been crucified with Christ. But he says I, that he can live again and that he can live through Christ living through him. And I think that because of this, that we can be alive in love. So would you stand in us as we sing?
1: the grace that my eyes couldn't see. And I am alive in love, love that will never die. Jesus, your love is what keeps me alive. After all that you have done for me,
0: God, we thank you so much that we can be alive in love and that your love truly does keep us alive and that every day that you are there with your word, with the sword of the spirit to kill our flesh and to keep us alive and to live through us. And I just thank you so much for everything that you've done for us and I thank you for this day. And I pray that as we go out, we would remember the things we've heard today and that, that that you would bring them to mind and that you would help us to remember that You kill our flesh and that we can live for you because of it. In your name, amen.